to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. James chapter 1, uh, 3 verse 1 starts off with, says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look at also the ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member of that and boasts great things. See how great a forest it kindle fires? And the tongue is a fire, a world of inequity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God, our Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. And I never really title my messages. It's just not something that I do. I have no problem if somebody does that. But today, it's, title just kind of came to mind. Mind is is talk cheap. Is talk cheap? You know, that's this phrase that we heard. Talk is cheap. You know, I mean, you can say something, but does it really matter until somebody sees something? But today, I introduce you that the fact that talk is not cheap. There's a great cost that's involved in it. And as we start with James chapter 3, just again, an intro coming back from where we've been so far. James, as we started off, obviously is the brother of Jesus, and we've known that over the last couple months that we've talked about it. In James chapter 1, he talked about being mature Christians. You know, that his desire for us, for the desire for the church that he was talking to at that time, the beginning church. Again, these were not Gentiles that he's talking to. That these were Jewish believers that had been converted to Christianity. And so as he's talking to these believers, he's, he's saying, look, there's, there's a toughness that needs to be about you guys, that you need to be mature, lacking nothing. Why? Because if you lack wisdom, all you have to do is ask of God, and he gives it abundantly. I mean, he has a desire to give it to you, and he has a desire to, to want to give you that ability to have the understanding and the knowledge that you need to be able to proceed in this faith that, we've called, that he's called us to go through. And he wants us to be a doer of our word. He wants us not just to have the words of, 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 of what we believe in, but he wants to say, hey, look, I want to see you guys doing these things. I want you to have pure religion is what? Is ministering to the orphans and the widows. I mean, he, he wants an action involved in our faith and that it should cause you to, to cut some kind of a stirring as we look at Jesus and what he's done on the cross for us and the fact that he, he died and our sins are forgiven, that that should just bear up and just an excitement inside of you Man, I just, I want to do something for Christ. Again, I think James is, is the one that sat there and he wasn't a believer until afterwards. And when Jesus came back to him, again, I've said this before, I think James just dropped to his knees and was just in amazement that 
my brother, you came back to me. I gave you such a hard time growing up and, and, and was, was harassing you and not a believer. And now you're here and, and I see you've come back and Jesus, you're my, my God. I love you. I thank you so much. And I, I think he was just frustrated maybe in himself. And this is just, it's not in scripture, but you can imagine the feelings that he had of just those, those 30 some years that he had with Jesus. And then he just wasted them. And he looks at the church nowadays and he's saying, look, guys, I want you to get it. I don't want you to waste time. And I'm, and as I'm, as I'm giving you kind of these proverbs of the New Testament, I'm giving you these, these insights of things that I see. It's because I've lived with Jesus and I understand now the importance of these things. I want you guys to be doers. I want you guys to have a, an action to your faith. Again, as I've said before, Christianity is, is, is a verb. There's an action that has to be there. We can't just say that we are a Christian. No, you can say it. But as he said in chapter two, he moved on and he said, look, I want you to be, I want, I want you to have a, a, a proof of your faith and that is done by your actions. Your works don't save you. We talked about that last time as well, but your works prove that there's a salvation that's involved in your life. Again, if, if any of us were to be brought up on charges of being a Christian, again, the old saying is, would there be enough evidence to prove you're guilty? I hope this church would be ridiculously guilty. I hope that it's just, it's just imperviated inside of your life and in everything that you do, you are a Christian. You love those who don't deserve to be loved. You have compassion on those that don't have compassion. You feel for the needy and you do something about it. That it's just the fact that you don't just sit there and then, as he also talked about in chapter two, it's, it, we don't, there's no prejudice. There's no, there's no, we don't look down upon people who are poor. No, we're all poor. I'm poor in the sight of the Lord. Without Christ, I, I'm nothing. It doesn't matter how much money I have or how many things that I have. When I come to the time to pay for, for my debt for what I've done in my life, without Christ, I, I'm a poor man. I have nothing that I can give to God. It's only through Christ that he steps in and says, this, this one's mine. This, this, this one's mine. And so as we look at those that are around us, we should be, we should look at the poor and, and all and, and have a, and not have a discrimination and, and, and favor the, the rich. He's like, no, we, you guys need to get it. It doesn't matter. Rich, poor, in between. I want you to be, I want you to be doers of the word. As we move into chapter three this week, it starts off with, and as you guys see it is, it starts off with the damage of our, of our tongue that can inflict pain upon others. We've seen this in so many times in our own lives as we've, as we've walked it through. And someone once said, it said, be careful with your words. Once they are said, they can only be forgiven and not forgotten. I mean, so many times we can sit there in our own minds and, and yeah, maybe we have forgotten, forgiven that person, but I, I cannot, I can't forget what they said to me. What they said to me, maybe they meant it, maybe they didn't mean it, but man, it cut to the quick of my heart. And I was so hurt and it still bothers me today. And I can look back and go, gosh. And and, and then honestly, I'm positive I've done the same. Maybe to some of you in this room. And and it hurts the fact that we can sit there and, and we have such power within our words that we don't realize. Words that can be spoken have have freed slaves. Abraham Lincoln with a speech freed slaves. With words, we've been motivated a society with Martin Luther King to, to write the injustices that were happening within the African-American community. With wars, 
with words, wars have started. Adolf Hitler and the, the powerfulness that he had to rise up a nation to do unbelievable things to this country and to the countries all over the world and to the Jewish people with just the amazing ability that he had to speak to empower people to do stuff that maybe they didn't even think of or believe in. But with his words, he was able to do that. With words, families have been torn apart. Marriages have been broken. Relationships between children and their parents have been torn and and scarred. With words, consoled the loss of others, of loved ones. We've we've been able to minister and we've been able to take upon somebody and, and console them with our words. With words, you've declared the birth of a baby. It's a boy or it's a girl. And such excitement when you hear those things. These are all things that can be said with our words. And as James starts off in verse 1, he says, My brethren, again, this is the 15th time in this book that he'll say, Brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. And James starts off with teachers. He doesn't start off with everybody else. He starts off with teachers. And if you have the King James, it probably says masters there. But but we understand it as the fact that it's it's a teacher. And he's looking upon teachers at that time. And he includes himself. You'll see that in verse 2. It says, and it's those that undertake the work of a teaching. And, and that were guided by the Holy Spirit. And prayerfully, you look at somebody that's in the pulpit and you pray that, that they are being guided by the Holy Spirit. I prayed last night, I prayed this morning, that I would be guided by the Holy Spirit, that it wouldn't be my words that would be spoken. You guys are probably very happy about that, that the Holy Spirit would do that, and because um, you enjoy the service a lot better. But, but as we look in Ephesians 4, Paul states, he says that, and he himself, talking of God, gave some to be apostles, he gave some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and some teachers. And the fact is that God has placed upon different people a calling upon their life. I believe a calling has been placed upon my life to be a pastor. Pastor Don is the same as well. Maybe some of you in this room have a calling that you feel that has been placed upon your life. I would say pray about that and then move forward within whatever that is. But this morning, I, I feel like there's a calling within my life that God has me here at this point in this time to be in this position. And I pray that the Holy Spirit is the one that's, that's guiding me, that's giving me the words to speak this morning, not to make me feel puffed up, not to make me feel that I'm any better than anybody else in this room, because I'm not. As you've heard me say before, I think there's too much credit given to this position up here. Why I know, I know why, because we're in a position of authority, we're in a position that we stand up here in front of everybody, everybody else is listening, so automatically you think that that person has more knowledge. There's pastors that I listen to that I'm like, wow, Dude, if I could just, oh man, if I could be around that guy all the time, that would be awesome. You know, I go through different times. I go, I went through an Alan Redpath stage and a Warren Wearsby stage and I'm a little bit into Francis Chan and I just listen to Francis Chan. I'm like, that, that guy is just so relatable. It's, I just would love to sit with him and chat. Why? I mean, he's a good guy. Don't get me wrong, but he isn't in the Lord any better than anybody else does. We just kind of idolize them a little bit more. They have a little bit more authority. And with that, James is saying, look, I'm, I'm warning you guys, you teachers, be careful of that. Be careful because when you're in this position and you're speaking for me, kind of like Moses did, 
When he was at the rock, you guys remember that? He, he comes to the Lord and the Lord says, hey, just, you know, just tell the people, look, we're going to bring some water from the rock. And Moses walks out there and he's just frustrated. And I get Moses, okay, because it's hot. And, and they're, those people are just, they, I would have just strangled them and said, Lord, you know what? You want to get rid of them? Let's do it, man. I'm tired of it. You and I, let's just go start all over again. You know, I get it. But he says, he comes out there and he just, you know, shall we bring forth water for you? We? Moses isn't doing anything. And then he goes and he strikes the rock and he, he makes it feel like the, the people that God is angry or God is mad at them. And then God pulls Moses to the side and takes him to the woodshed and is like, dude, don't, don't ever do that again. Don't ever misrepresent me to my people. And I think the same thing with us in this position, in this pulpit, is the fact there's a great responsibility. There's lots of things that I would like to talk about. And then I get to the night before and I get all nervous. I, I really do. I sit there and I'm like, man, do I, do, why, why is nothing really coming forward now? Why? Because now there's a, there's an, there's a position and there's an authority. I'm going to come up here before you guys and I don't want to misrepresent the Lord. I don't want to say something. I don't want to get down a rabbit trail where I look at it and I go, I am all about Kevin right now and his flesh and his desires. And I've completely forgotten what the Lord wanted to speak about this morning. And I get nervous. I don't get nervous of talking to you guys. I mean, I know all of you and, and I have no problem with that. It's the fact that I'm nervous that I don't want to disrespect and I don't want to dishonor the Lord and what he's called me to do. And I don't want you guys to, to feel something from the Lord that isn't correct and isn't right. I know Pastor Don too. Sometimes you'll hear Pastor Don and he'll kind of go in circles sometimes because he's actually trying to make sure that nothing was misconstrued by something that he said. You're like, dude, we got it. Move on. And he's like, no, no, no. He keeps kind of going back over it because he doesn't want to make sure, he wants to make sure that he doesn't misrepresent the Lord. He doesn't want you guys walking out of here thinking something wrong. And as James is, is talking to the teachers at the time, he's saying, guys, you be careful. I know that a lot of the people at the time wanted to be pastors and they wanted to be teachers. But he said, look, you're going to have a stricter judgment. Why? Because you're, you're, you're representing me now. You're not representing the, what you think and what you think of here. I don't care about that. You're representing the Lord. And as you come forward and you bring forth something that you believe that the God, Lord has called you, then guess what? I'm, I'm going I'm to I'm judge you higher. We see that in a lot of churches today. You know, I mean, there's, there's churches in this area. There's churches nationally that we look at and we're like, I don't, I don't think the Lord is with that person right now. I think that they're just out there stealing money from people and they're stealing sheep from people and they're just, they're just completely misrepresenting the Lord. And it was easy that news like, well, Kevin, you've only got, you know, a handful of people here this morning. Yeah, but I'm going to do it right. I'm going to, I'm going to love the sheep that the Lord has entrusted us with the very best that I possibly can. And if a handful show back next week, guess what? We're going to do the same exact thing. Why? Because I don't want to strive after something that's not mine. I want to strive after what the Lord has been blessing and, and giving us at the same time. It's a difficult position to be in when you're up here, just to let you know, because you, you know, the, the pride factor is still there. There's a flesh factor that's still there. You know, when you get done with the service, you kind of want to know how you did. You know, did you flop? Did you do all right? You know, but you know that that's part of your pride as well as, you know, I, I'm, I mean, it's really what it is. So really, there's a few people that I'll ask. One is my wife. She's usually pretty straight and honest with me which is a good thing, you know, sometimes. And then um, there's a few others that I'll ask. And um, and you just want to kind of know why. And again, it's part of my pride, to be honest, wants to know. But part of me wants to know to make sure that I'm, am I doing it the right way? Is there something that I need to do better? Is there something that I need to talk a little bit more about? Is there areas that I need to slow down in? And, and just kind of make sure that I'm doing it the way that I need to be doing it for the Lord. 
But some today, as in James's time, abuse this position. James is saying, look, I'm just telling you, you're going to have a stricter judgment. He moves on to verse 2 and he says, for we all stumble in many things. And it's nice again that James includes himself here. And the word stumble here, and you, if you, again, if you have King James, I just like this word, is it's offend. You know, we all sin, we all fall. And he's reminding us back in James 119 where he warned us to, you know, to swift to, to be swift to hear and slow to speak. In James 126, it warns us to bridle our tongue. Again, I think that there was a, a common thread again as we've picked up on a couple things as we've gone through James is he, he was really concerned with what we people were saying. We talked about it in, in James chapter one, two, that again, you've been given two ears and one mouth and that you're supposed to use them accordingly. And too many times we're too, so anxious to jump in there with something to say that we're not willing to listen to what people have to say. And how can you actually minister to somebody? How can you actually talk to somebody if you don't listen? You don't hear the things that they have to say. Again, one of the callings, I think, with being a pastor is not just the ability to teach. I think that that has to be a calling but you have to have a willingness to listen to people and where they're at. Because I can't minister unless I listen. And they can't be ministered to until they've had a chance to talk. So so many times we want to jump in there. He says, look, if anyone does not stumble in word, and that word there is, is the word that we speak. It's actually something that has come out of our mouth. I, I confessed a couple of weeks ago that I had that problem. I don't have that, had, I have that problem. It's, I'll joke too much and there's coarse jesting and things like that. And I talked about how I'm really trying to hold that back and I've gotten better. And so, which is a good thing. It's only taken 20 years. And so I've gotten better in that. But now the next step of what I'm trying to do is not to think those things. And that probably is going to be when I get to heaven, you know, I'll conquer that one. But, but in the meantime, it's the sanctification of trying not to think those things so that I don't have to worry about them just flying out of my mouth. James says, if if you can do this, if if he can do that, well, this man is perfect. It's not perfect as far as not having sin. It's perfect that he's he's a mature Christian. Again, that goes back to chapter 1 again as James continues to move through his, his, his letter. Again, that he's calling us to be mature. Again, we talked about it back then as well. And we'll go to James chapter 1, verse 4 real quick. If you want to turn there, you can. But it says, Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Again, there's a maturity factor. Again, as I as you walk in here, and Camden's not in here, so I'll pick on Camden. If Camden were to come in here and he were to say something, I would expect certain things to come out of Camden's mouth. Camden's what, three now, four? Three, three, okay, so even better. So three, I expect just no filter on Camden's mouth. Okay, if he's thinking it, you know, Pastor Kevin, you're heavy. Okay, thanks, you know. If somebody else were to say that, I'd be like, dude, that's just rude, you know. But Camden, I'm like, cool, buddy, you know, give me a little fist bump. You know, we're here, let me shake your hand. I want you to get you sick now. But anyway, so, (laughs) so, so I would expect that from Camden, that there'd be a no filter that's coming out of his mouth. But as a Christian, as a mature Christian, I would say no. I would say that we as Christians need to be a little bit more mature in the conversation that we have. We need to be a little more perfect in the conversation that we have. And as he's sitting there, he says, look, we have all stumbled in many things. We've all fallen short. We probably, many of us have fallen short just this morning alone. If you're with your wife or with your kids or with somebody that you were driving in on the road this morning. I mean, we've all already this morning probably fallen short. He said, that's fine. We, look, we, we all will f- stumble in many things. But if anyone does not stumble, 
that person's perfect. He's able to bridle his body in a way that, man, that, that comes through maturity. It comes through the fact that you've lived in a life and that you've continued to move forward. Are you able, are we able to, to hold check our tongue this morning? Jesus warned in Matthew 12, 36, it says, But I say to you that for every idle word men speak, they will give account on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And so, so many times we want to sit there and we say, well, man, I, I feel this person needs to hear this. I'd say, you better pray about it before you say that to that person. Because if you're sitting there and you're like, well, I think the Lord's telling me to tell him to say that. And well, you better make sure and pray about it to make sure that it's actually the Lord and not your own flesh and your own frustrations. Because again, words are cheap. Anybody can say them. But are you going to be responsible for the damages that have come out of your mouth to affect somebody else? James says, that man is able to bridle his whole body. Well, why is that? We move into verse 3. It says, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look at also those ships, although they are large, driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire, a world of inequity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea has been tamed by that has been tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly and evil, full of deadly poison. And James gives three examples here. The first one he talks out of is, is the bit, a bit in a horse's mouth. Did you know, and I did a lot of research on this stuff, so it was kind of fun. A horse, a horse can actually run 27 miles an hour. Did you realize that? That's pretty fast, is it not? I mean, he can run 27 miles an hour. He pulls heavy loads, and they have these muscles that are just, have you, if you've ever been around a horse, I mean, it's just immense power that they have. They're able to pull large loads. They have this large heart that gives them the ability to pump more blood through their system. And they have these lungs that be able to get the oxygen in there that they can so they can fuel the muscles to do what it's been called to do. I mean, horses are just, they're just, they're beautiful. They're majestic. They have such raw ability. And all it takes is one little bridle in their mouth. And you can steer that horse to anywhere that you want it to go. You can even make it stop if you want. Now again, the, the bridle doesn't give it the power to go somewhere, okay, because it's gonna go where it, it's got power, I'm ready to go. If you've seen our dog at the house, I mean, he's, he's just a dog, I can't imagine holding a horse, but he just, if he wants to go somewhere, he's, he's heading that way, okay, he's just, he's just raw power too, you know, and so he's just gonna go, and so you've got this, this horse that sits there and he says, James is comparing, he says, the tongue is kinda like that, where you can just, that, that bridle just kinda goes wherever it wants to. And he says, well, also the ship. You look at the rudder on a ship. And Christine and I, last week, we were, went up to Savannah for a couple of days, and it was beautiful, and that's a whole other subject. But um, it was awesome. Lots of history, and, you know, the houses were really awesome and cool. And, and so we're out there eating lunch or something like that. Or it was at nighttime, actually. So we were out there walking by the, the river, and this big old cargo ship goes by. Have you ever seen the cargo ships go by? And they've got all the containers on top. You know, and containers on containers on top of containers and top of containers. I mean, it's just massive. And this thing goes by, and the the back end of the thing might have been as big as, if not bigger than this room. I mean, it was just immense how big. The, I'm sure it was bigger than this. I mean, it was just absolutely immense. And so you look at something that big that's carrying that much stuff, and there's just 
Now, in comparison, now the rudder might be as big as this room too, but in comparison to the ship, it's just a rudder that sits there and turns it. Okay, now on that one, it might have had two, okay, because it was, it was pretty wide. But, but just a rudder says, hey, this big, massive ship is going to go that way. So we're going to turn it this way, or actually this way. It's going to go that way. Just a rudder. For all that tons upon tons of, of just stuff that's on top of this thing and the tons upon tons of, of how heavy the ship is, it just takes a rudder to be able to move it to wherever the pilot wants it to go. A spark in a forest. And you guys remember just a few months ago, just the massive fires that we had out in California. And we were talking about the men's study of just, there were several pictures on the, on, on the internet of just a car driving, cars driving through and just fires on both sides and just them just driving through, praying that they can get through here. And you can hear them talking and everything. Just amazing. You see the little, little firestorms that were going. It's just absolutely it was amazing to sit there and look at that. But see, it didn't start with us a fire, you know, everywhere. It started with just a spark. It's just a spark is all that it needs. And then, you know, thousands upon thousands of, of forest was burnt. Hundreds, if not thousands of homes were destroyed. Lives were destroyed. Just by a spark. And James says that that tongue is that fire. That tongue that's within your mouth is that fire that it's able to, to set fire and just completely destroy things. The tongue is mentioned four times. And again, I did research on the tongue, which was kind of creepy. But it's, it's, a, it's a muscular organ. I won't go into as much as I saw. I learned a lot about tongues that I didn't know. Didn't know. But it's a, it's a muscular organ. That's, we kind of know that. But the, the tongue is vital for you can't chew without a tongue. It's very, very hard. You can't swallow without a tongue. Did you guys know that? I mean, you gotta be like a bird. You gotta just, you know, kick your head back and, and, you know, let it fall down. And you can't speak without a tongue. You just, you, those are just things that just naturally have to be there. Your tongue has to be there for any of that stuff to happen. So this little part of our body controls so much. Just in our normal day-to-day activities of being able to live, but it's also something that can cause such damage. Another person said once that the, the human tongue is a beast that can ma- that, that few can master. It strains constantly to break out of its cage, and if it is not tamed, it will run wild and cause you grief. And I think many of us in this room have experienced that before too or have had that happen to us where somebody has just come along and they've been able to, to unload what their abilities or what they, their thoughts were upon our life. And the words that come out of our mouths can be so harmful in the changing of relationships and of friendships, and of families. We have fam- friends that are on the, on Facebook and the Internet, and, and just the fact that they sit there and they were once really good friends, and because they've taken such diverse sides of opinions, that now they don't even, they've unfriended each other, not even friends anymore. You're like, well, what, what would cause that? You know, is your opinion that great that you're willing to separate with a friend that you've had for decades? Proverbs 16:27 says, "An ungodly man digs up evil, and it's on his lips like a burning fire." Have you ever thought about the perfect thing to say to somebody and then actually said it? You guys ever watch AOL? I mean, uh, uh, you got mail? Anybody else? Any other? Okay, I was going to say, you got mail. I was like, say, hey guys, your wife's never watched, made you watch it, but so I watched it several times with my wife. So, um, but there's a part in there where she's Megan Ryan. It's her name, right? Megan Ryan. And so she's, um, she just, Fox Books is coming in, going to 
put her business out of out of business now. She's got a little bookstore, and so Fox Books is the mean, you know, huge conglomerate bookstore. And so he's there. There's just he's just an evil person. That's what she thinks because she's he's putting her out of business. And so um, she they have a you know interaction, and eventually they end up getting you know married and all that kind of stuff. But at the beginning, she just she just can't stand this guy so much, and she always wants to say it, but she just never can say mean stuff to people. This and that's kind of Meg Ryan's character as we've seen through the movies, and so. She finally says it one time. And she just is like, I, I said it. I said that mean thing to him. And he was just like, well, okay. You know, I mean, he took the absolute opposite side of it. But she was so proud of herself to be able to have said what that mean thing that she wanted to say. And I think so many times in our own life is, is the same thing. If you've been, you've been waiting and you've been pondering and then now you have that opportunity and you just let it fly out. And have you done that? And has your, has your stomach ever just sunk afterwards? You're like, yes, I got to say what I wanted to say. And it was not the results that I wanted. Why? Because now I've, I've diminished that person. And then quite honestly, in my own stomach, I'm not happy with the person that I am. And I, I think for us in this room that that would be the Holy Spirit coming upon you saying, did, did you really want to say that? I mean, was, is that the character again of who Jesus Christ was? Jesus, Jesus spoke very harshly to the religious people at the time. But to those that were sinners and those that had needs, he was, he was very compassionate and very loving. And again, as we talked several months ago that again, God is love. We talked about how just, it's not God is loving, but God, his, his very character of who he is. God is love. Love is God. I mean, you, God cannot separate from love at all. And if we are the children of God, should we not have that same qualities that are within us? Should we not as Christians then be, we, we are love. Why? Because my father in heaven is love. Therefore I have that gene within me. And as I look at people, I have love for people. I have compassion for people. I'm a doer of the word as James has called me to do. So then why would I want to have those words come out of my mouth? You say, well, Kevin, I've kind of always been that person. I just kind of let it fly and, and kind of deal with the pieces later. Why well, I say to you this morning, I, that's, that's not what a Christian does though. A Christian takes, takes, takes care of the words that he says or she says so that they're, they're, they're words of being able to lift somebody up and bring them to the grace and glory of who God is. You see, if I'm that Christian that is always out there just saying mean things and I'm rude and all, well, then what kind of characteristic does that make people think of who God is? Well, God is that same person. Well, no, God isn't. God is love. God is caring. Does God have judgment? God has a judgment. There is a time for judgment. But let God be the one who does that. My words are not supposed to come out and be a, a fire that just starts to, to just burn things up and just ruin things in people's lives. James says we, we can control all animals, but we can't control our own tongues. You see, we've been given dominion over all the animals, so an elephant, as huge as it is, can be tamed. A horse, as, as strong as it is, can be tamed. Lions and tigers can be tamed. We have those in zoos. But this little muscle that's within our, our lips is untamable. We have all said something that we are ashamed of. You see, this tongue again is, it's unruly and it, it cannot be restrained and, and the evil, it's the evil that, that which injures. It's like a poison of an asp. An asp is a, is a, is a snake. It's a deadly snake. It's like the poison of an asp is under their lips, spoken of men giving to reviling and culminating and they're thereby injuring others. 
You see, there's this poison that's within our mouths that we, we just, we just lash out and it just destroys and it harms and it's this poison that keeps coming out and we just, we just destroy stuff that's all around us. One commentator said, the Greek implies that it is as, it is at once restless and incapable of restraint, talking about the tongue. Nay, though the nature has hedged it in with double barrier of the lips and the teeth, it bursts out from its barriers to assail and ruin men. So even God has placed it within a double barrier. You've got teeth in front of it. You've got lips in front of it from there. And yet still it is able to just burst out and you know, go, I'm going to assail this person. I'm going to, I'm going to attack Nathan. Bam. Sorry, dude. I'm going to attack Joshua. Bam. And I'm going to come by and sweep up the pieces later. Verse nine says, and he moves on and says, with it, we bless our God, our father, and, and then we curse men. So we, this morning we sang praise songs to God and our lips were anointed at that time. And we we're just sitting there and we're, we're lifting up our hands and we're looking up to God and we're just so thankful. Lord, just how wonderful that you are, how great that you are, how, how just awesome that you are in my life. Thank you so much for saving me. And then today we'll leave and we'll, we'll gossip about somebody or we'll tear somebody down. And it was, James is saying, with the same mouth that you, you lift up to the Holy of Holies and then you look back down and then you just, you, you assail those that are around you. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. It's the similitude of God and, and we, we make fun of those and we, we, we give harsh words to those that are in the likeness of God. Genesis one twenty six says, For we are made in the image of God. So as, as we assail those that are in the, the likeness of who God is, it's like we're doing it to God Himself. John one four twenty says, first John, I'm sorry, first John four twenty says, If someone says, I love God, and does not have love for his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? So again, if I say, Well, I love you, God, but then I don't I don't show that same love to the people that are around me. I look at Bert and if I see Bert and I say that I, I, I don't love Bert, well then how can I actually love a God that I can't see? As again, as, as he's called us to be the doers of the word and he's called us to reach out to those that are in need and if, I, if I'm able to sin, sit there and, and gossip about them and tear them down and James is saying that ought not to be. It ought not to be within Christ's church. This is the church of God. And again, if, if we are love and as we are looking to those around us that are in need, that should not come out of the words of our mouth. Again, Christian, that, that is a, that's for the world to deal with. See, within the church, we kind of hide it at times. We hide our gossip with, hey man, you really need to pray for such and such. This is what's going on. And so we hide our gossip within a, a righteous thing to say, hey brother, you need to pray for, oh, you didn't hear? Oh man, you really need to pray for that family. They got this, this, this. this. I mean, we, they just go down the list of things that are going on. No, we need to. We need to love. Don't hide it. Don't don't sit there and try to and, and look in, within Christ's church and say, "Hey, look, this is the things that I see," and, and just and come before God and say, "Lord, I just want to pray for that family." God, God knows the things that are going on. James says, "How can it be?" Does a, does a tree bring forth different fruit? Do we look at orange trees in, 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 in Florida and, and hope that, that grapes come from it? Of course not. So Christian, how does this translate to you and I? James says in verse 8, says, No man can tame the tongue. Why? Does that mean that we don't have hope? Does that mean that we have no responsibility in the words that come out of our mouth? I'd say not. It's not an excuse to sin. 
It's not to say, oh, well, it came out of my mouth. James said, it's, I can't tame it, so you know, everybody's going to have to deal with it. Say, no, we need a purpose within our hearts and our actions to not sin and to not lose control of our tongue. Psalm 34, 13 says, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. See, again, if, if we continue to sit there and have control over the things that we do within our life, well, then guess what? If I'm not, if I'm not saying bad words all the time, if, then guess what? Those words aren't going to come out of my mouth. If I'm not a man who always uses three-letter and four-letter words that I shouldn't be using, then guess what? Those three-letter and four-letter words shouldn't come out of my mouth. The same thing that goes within within your own life is if I keep my tongue from evil, if I keep my, my tongue from gossiping, well, then guess what? I'm not going to speak deceit that's going to come out without my mouth. Proverbs 10.19 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but who, he who restrains his lips is wise. God's saying there in Proverbs is, is, is look, don't, you don't always have to speak. You don't always have to say something. You don't always have to apply something to somebody's life just for the fact of you're just going to want to speak and hear your own voice. No, he says, look, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Be wise again. Be quick to hear and slow to speak. Be willing to listen to people and to listen to and apply to their lives. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, and you guys should all know this one, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, those are the fruit of what comes, should come out of our lives. If we're talking about fruit from a tree, bringing out different fruit, well then if that is the fruit within our lives, then guess what? If we are a Christian, we're walking by the mandates that God has asked us to live by, well these are the things that should be apparent within our life. You should look at your own life and say that, hey, do I have a spirit that is, that is love? Do I love other people? Do I, do I care for other people? Is there joy within my life? Or am I somebody who's just grumpy all the time? I'm upset all the time. But where's the joy of the Lord? Where's the understanding that, hey, look, if I die today, guess what? That's the worst thing that can happen to me. I go to heaven. What does it matter? You know, in the grand scheme of eternity, does it matter? No, it doesn't. Well, then apply that joy to your life. Is there peace within your life? Do you really have peace? Well, if you, if you have an understanding of, of what Christ did for you, well, then you should have peace. Well, Kevin, you don't understand what's going on in my life. I don't, but I know somebody who does. I know that he promised to provide for your needs for today. You should have that peace to know that, man, God is God is in control. God is working within my life. Long suffering, kindness. Do you have kind are you a kind person? See, a kind person, again, doesn't gossip. A kind person doesn't sit there and have arguments with people. Are there goodness? Is there faithfulness? Are you a faithful person? Is is your word your bond? Are you, are you faithful to know that, hey, look, if I've asked you to do something and you've agreed to do it, can, can we count on you to do that? Is there gentleness within your life? Is there, is there a gentleness where people aren't afraid to walk up to you like, oh, gosh, i got to go ask Kevin a question. Oh, man, get, I don't want to. He's just he's grumpy all the time, you know? Is there a gentleness about you? There should be. Do you have self-control? And And... and and that's probably, that's the hardest one for me, honestly, is self-control. Chocolate chip cookies over there are like fantastic. Good job. So, so self-control, that's a hard thing. But that's, that's my self-control issue. What is the self-control issue that you deal with? 
Again, the Lord is the one that's going to be able to minister within you. If you, everybody knows the Galatians 5.22, this is the fruit of the Spirit. Did you know that right before that? It's all the opposites to these. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time of past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, those are everything that is opposite to the fruit of the Spirit. Now, hopefully that is not your list of who you are in life, okay? That's not your list of who, this is who I am in Christ. I am unclean and a fornicator and all that. Hopefully that is not who you are, okay? But I will say this, that, that the, the tongue is probably part of almost every sin that is out there. The, the, the tongue, is that, is that powerful within your life? And the fact that if you're not able to have a control over it, if you're not able to, to harness that, then guess what? That moves into everything that else is that's within your life. It's, it's, it's the words that you speak. It's the people that you hang around with. It is involved with everything that you do. Christian, look back to the, the fruit of the Spirit. Hey, turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. We're going to read all the way down through 32. Ephesians 4, it's put off the, the old man. It says, this I say, therefore, and testify, and this is Paul speaking again, in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened by alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past freeing have given themselves over to the lewdness to work all uncleanliness and greediness. Verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to this deceitful lust. Stop right there real quick. It says, so he's saying, look, take that old person, that old you, okay, for the purpose of our conversation this morning, that old tongue, that old gossiper, that old reveler, that old angry person that you were, that person that just would tell people off, that person that just caused divisions, that person that caused fights. Okay, you get where the tongue is coming from here? He says, take that, take it off. That's not you anymore. Okay, that's the old man. All right? And you're saying, well, I'm too young to have an old man. you got an old man. Okay, and that, that needs to go within your life. He moves on to verse 23. He says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God and true rightness, righteousness and holiness. Right there it says, And put on the new man. The new man of, of Kevin? No, the new man in Christ. See, again, we have been... Remember, Christ said, I have to leave so that I can send to another one that's, that's greater than me. And who was that? It was the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the Holy Spirit comes upon us. It says, Therefore... Putting away lying, let each one of you speak with the, with truth to his neighbors, for we are members of, of, of one another. But, he says in verse 26, says, be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your right, of your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him to his need. So he says right there, he says, be angry and do not sin. 
Okay, so how many times have we been angered? We just kind of let it stewed and let it stewed and we didn't handle it. We didn't do it the right way. We didn't go to that person. We didn't go talk to Steve and say, Steve, this is, man, something's going on between the two of us. You know, you kind of said this and I felt this in my heart. And he's like, oh man, that's exactly not what I meant. I meant it by this. And so again, I'm able to sit there and have a conversation with Steve. We're able to, to wipe it out. And I didn't allow the sun to go down on my anger. Because how you guys know this too is when you go to bed, what happens? Man, you sit in your brain and you just kind of go over that and you kind of go over that. And the next morning, man, you're ready for a fight. You're ready just to just to have a brawl with somebody. And God says, no, you you need to handle that now. You need to have that conversation. Wow. Why? Because now you're going to allow the enemy to be a part of something. He says in verse 27, it says, nor give the place to the devil. Don't allow the enemy to come within. He has, he has no right within our our relationship, Steve and I. The devil has no right in that relationship. Why? Because he's a brother in Christ. I'm a brother in Christ. And even if there was a disagreement, he's like, no, I didn't mean it that way. What? You know, then, then let's have a conversation of, well, why do you, why are you mad at me? Now we're able to have a different conversation. I don't want the devil to be able to sit there and then he causes division. And that's what he wants. The, the, the devil wants division within us. Why? Because he can no longer have my soul. He can no longer have your soul. But man, he can cause division and he can cause us to go down paths that we shouldn't be going on. Why? Because then we become useless to the Lord. And so as I allow my tongue and I allow my frustrations to come out, well, now the flesh of Kevin has risen up. That old man is still there. And now I become useless for what the Lord wants me to do in my life. Why? Because I've allowed the devil to be there. Meanwhile, if I get rid of him and get him out of here, now I become a useful object for the Lord. It says in verse 29, it says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, and what is good, but what is good and necessary. <laughs> I am having such a hard time speaking this morning. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So again, let no unnecessary, don't allow a corrupt word to come out of your mouth. Don't allow gossip to come out of your mouth. Don't allow, um, you know, just the kind of conversation and the joking that there's no edification to the Lord at all. You know, I had a discussion with, with somebody about, well, why aren't we allowed to use, you know, curse words? Why aren't we allowed? Isn't that just what society does? Aren't we just moving along with society? And I said, no, there's, there's no edification under the Lord. And I would say even greater than that, you know, we have the Christian curse words, you know, like darn and dang and stuff like that. Well, guess what? That's, that's I hate to say this this morning, but that's still the same word. You know, you're like, oh, no, it's not. You know, it's the other words, the other word. And that's 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 the word we're allowed to say, Kevin. <laughs> well, not really. I mean, if you really want to have a talk about it, we can talk about it. But but it's because it's the same heart. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's not just the word that comes out of your mouth. It's the heart that's behind that. You know, again, Jesus talked about that, you know, said, hey, if you're mad at your brother and you say, you know, Raka, but oh, you say, hey, you know, no, it's, it's still, you've still killed them in your heart. You, you get that? So even though I didn't go kill somebody, I've killed them in my heart. And Jesus is like, no, nah, same thing. You, you, you need to change that heart problem that you have. And so as somebody cuts in front of you and you're driving, you say, dang, you know, and you're like, whoo, I'm a good Christian today. No. Okay. Cause again, it's the same thing. So I'm, again, I'm not, not, you know, I'm not the dang police here. I'm just saying, you know, just it's the heart, work on the heart part of it. So he's saying, look, it's, it's still not edifying unto the Lord. Why? Because the Lord wants you to be edifying in him. He says, that's not the proper word to use there. Yes, I, I, I have time. So I'll say, I was in a, I was in a class over in Fort Lauderdale one time and, and I was, I thought I was higher up on the spiritual totem pole than I probably was. And so I know the ground's level at the cross, but you know, we move ourselves up. And so, 
this guy who was kind of a new believer or whatever, and he's there with his wife, and I'm, you know, I'm being the mature, responsible one there, and we were talking about it. I was like, oh, man, I was late today. You know, these people kept cutting in front of me, and I'm just, you know, just, oh, my gosh, I couldn't believe it. And he's like, well, you know what I always do? And I go, well, I'm thinking he's going to, like, join on my side. He goes, I just, you know, anytime cuts me, somebody cuts me off like that, I feel like the Lord did that and it, on purpose so that I could pray for them. So I just pray for him. <laughs> I was like... It's like jerk. So <laughs> it's like next subject. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> it's like thank you. I know in Florida it's all the time, but and so he moves on in verse thirty. He says, "And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, let all wrath, let all anger." And clamor and evil speaking be put away from you, put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgave you. And I, and I think that's the answer to the the question that I had proposed before is the fact that it's not the fact that we sit there and we look upon it and go, well, James says no man can tame it, so. Kevin, really, your your talk this morning is useless, you know, because James already answered it, and we can just no. Again, we have the Holy Spirit within us. And God does not set us up the fact that we have no way, ability other than to sin. That's not it. It's because our own flesh is so strong that we allow it to come out. We don't show self-control. Why? Because I don't want to have control over that. And this is just another area within our lives that maybe you sit here this morning and you say, well, I'm not that angry person. I'm not that whatever. But maybe you got a little gossip in you. Maybe you've got something else that's in you that, hey, you know what? I'm not always tenderhearted. I'm not always kind to people. I say this morning, just you need to work on that. Why? Because again, it's it's going back to, you have to turn back there, but going back to what James says is that I, I want you guys to be mature. I want you guys lacking nothing. And as he continues to move through these cheese chapters, there are going to be points, they're almost proverbs, where he's saying, I want you to work on this. And I want you to work on this. And these are things that I see within my church that I want you guys to work on. Why? Because that's what the pastor of a church does. This morning he says, I want you guys to work on your mouth. And I want you guys to work on your tongue. And maybe some of you guys are great in it, but you're still not perfect. And I want you to sit there and go and look at it and go, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. And again, if, if I can't forgive somebody else, then why should Christ forgive me? Because I'm sure that I've done much worse to Christ than anybody has ever done to me. You understand that? And so if I, don't, if I start playing God within somebody's life and say, I'm not willing to forgive that person, well, then why should Christ forgive me? But he said, no, I, I love you, Kevin. And I'm willing to die on the cross for you. And the same thing for you guys this morning. He, he died on the cross that our sins would be forgiven. And we get to we get to Go and take that word out to everybody else. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. 
please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.